Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Buongiorno, ciao, and benvenuti to Crans Montana, the host town of stage 13 of the Giro d'Italia today. The sun could shine in the afternoon, so slip, slap, and slop. And do bear in mind that most of the parking in town has been given over to the Giro d'Italia race organizers. Our recommendation is park on the outskirts of town and hop in on foot or avail yourself of the shuttle bus facilities provided by the Giro. In the meantime, as we wait for the race, here's David Bowie and Kooks. Everything feels like it's changed at the uh, Giro as we spend 24 hours, something approaching 24 hours anyway, in Switzerland, in the canton of Valley. Uh, we arrived here pretty late last night, actually, um, and I uh, awoke fairly early in a room that was, uh, let's say, efficiently insulated, um, by which I mean efficiently insulated, by which I mean far too hot. Um, and yeah, as a result, it was ding, I was awake at six and I thought, great, it's not raining. I couldn't hear the rain. It's still quite grey, not quite as cold as it's been, even though uh, we're pretty high, actually. Um, we're in uh, Grand Montana, uh, which is, uh, for those of you who follow winter sports, extremely well known. It's a bit like saying... I'm at Wembley Stadium, and for those of you who don't know, it's where football is played. Uh, because Cor Montana is, uh, I understand, intimately associated with the world of downhill skiing. Hosted the World Championships or something like that. I don't really know how the structure of the thing works in 1987. Anyway, uh, yes, uh, and uh, yeah, I, put, I pulled on running shoes for the first time in a few days. And I'll just close the window. Hold on, the trucks, Giro trucks are just arriving on the street outside. There we go, but. Nicely insulated window. Um, uh, what was I saying? So, uh, yes, I, I got out on a run. So it's always quite challenging running in ski resorts because it's uphill or downhill, isn't it? Um, but uh, I started heading up the mountain on beautifully tarmacked, immaculate Swiss roads past incredibly wealthy houses. And then pretty soon I found a, a, a marked trail, which was a, simultaneously a mountain bike trail and a uh, pedestrian trail. No mountain bikers were out. far too early for the mountain bikers. Um, so at times I found myself actually running on the mountain bike trail on the way down uh, through all those, what do they call them? I did actually commentate on the mountain bike race at the Commonwealth Games, but I've forgotten all the terms already. I want to say berms, but I'm not sure that's the right word. Those kind of like, almost like that banking on a velodrome where you kind of, you know, anyway, it's very steep downhill and you can actually, it's quite fun running down those. You kind of get catapulted up the up the banking, um, less fun running up them. But anyway, the highlight of my run was uh, I passed the construction site of a big dam that is being built above Cormontana uh, that is looks like it's nearly finished. I reckon it's finished. I reckon they should just uh, crack on there. Uh, so it's a great empty hole with a dam, a big concrete wall 
on uh, one side. And you can see where the turbine fits in and the kind of bits and pieces. Um, and I looked to my left and I could see how David and Pete, down the years, have tried to patiently explain to me uh, how dams are made. I could see that the river had been diverted um, because I could see the path of the, path of the river and there was no river. I still don't understand where the river went. On se trouve, euh, on se trouve sur une terrasse, un petit magasin, quasi euh, café-bar, ici à Grand Montagne, en pleine montagne ici, dans, dans la Suisse. Et c'est très agréable, il pleut pas, le soleil brille, à peu près, presque. Ouais, tu as raison, c'est vraiment joli. La finir, c'est pas loin, hein, pour rester tranquille avec un cappuccino, un petit biscuit, un hug en monde. Il fait un jour... Toujours avec toi, c'est toujours une chose des, des noix. Tu, tu, aimes, tu aimes bien les noix. Hein? Oui, oui. Euh, mon, euh, mon, mon noix favorite, c'est la cacahuète. Cacahuète. <rire> avec les pour du salé euh, ouais. et les, les pistaches ouais. aussi. Ouais, ouais. Oh, hier, euh, pour manger euh, la pistache euh, glace. Glacé. Oh. Ah, la glace d'hier. Oui, la glace d'hier, euh, c'est incroyable. C'est notre collègue de, 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 de la radio italienne. Il nous a donné une, une petite euh, gelato, ouais. en, en français, une, une glace de, de pistache, euh, en, en plein commentaire. Hein. On, a, on a fait une toute petite pause et on a mangé ce, ce, ouais, cette délicieuse. Une petite cuillère pour manger. Hein. Ouais. Ouais, euh, C'est un peu difficile pendant euh, ouais. la commentaire, mais que, quand ouais, même. Ouais. Ouais, pour ouais, moi, ça... Surtout pour moi, parce que j'étais en, en train de manger mon, mon déjeuner. Qui, qui Dans était... le même temps oh, ouais. Ça, c'est bizarre. C'est un bizarre goût. Comme, euh, c est, c est ouais, un parce que c'est euh, euh, une, une, une salade, fruits de mer. Ouais, ça, c'est pas normal. Ça, c'est <rire> pas normal. <rire> mais c'est bien quand même, ouais. non ouais, euh, Comme mélange, intéressant. Ouais. Ouais. Qu'est-ce que tu penses aujourd'hui, Ned euh, euh, pour, la, pour la Corse non, Pour, 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 le, pour le Giro Non, pour nous. Pour nous. <rire> je, je pense qu'après l'étape, ouais. après avoir travaillé aujourd'hui, il faut voyager dans la voiture trois heures. Jusqu'à Milano, mi oh, trois ans encore. Putain la merde. <rire> pour aller à Milan. C'est long, c'est long. long. Mais, mais, mais je trouve après deux semaines, mmh. presque, en Italie, euh, dans un milieu italien, ouais. pour moi et pour toi aussi, c'est très agréable d'être euh, dans un pays francophone où on peut, on peut, peut parler un peu de français. Oui, c'est bien, c'est génial. Pour parler avec les mecs, les gens de, dans l'hôtel, c'est vraiment... Pour moi, chose importante, et c'est plus facile quand même aussi. Mais, ouais, est... On est assis ici, sur la table, à côté de nous, ouais. se trouvent quatre ouvriers ouais. qui s'amusent de nous. Ouais. Ils font des blagues. Ouais. Ils font des blagues. <rire> ouais, ouais, je les regarde. Ouais, mais, on, euh... on rigole. Ouais, ouais, beaucoup de rigoles. Ouais. Et c'est pointé, pointing dans ma petite vélo. Les vélos... Euh... Ah, avec les doigts. Ouais, 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 ouais. Un petit vélo de clown. De, de, le... de le cercle. Pliable. C'est un pliable en français. Hein? Un pliable Pliable. Ok. Ok, c'est bien. Ouais. Ouais, ouais. Alors, au travail Ouais, alors... I don't know who those guys were. Yeah, did they? Cause we, you've got, you've gone off to get a, to get the coffee. 
and I was just looking at my bike, and there's these two blokes podding with a coffee. Uh, and, I, and and I don't know how it's made our edit. It must be something to do with because in each country they operate on different radio frequencies, so they their voices must have just cut over ours or something. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know who they were. Or really c- I couldn't work out what they were talking about. Either. No, I mean maybe if, if anybody who's listening to the pod can decipher it, that'd be really helpful, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. But here we are yeah. on top of a mountain in Crans Montana, and Ned, I feel quite upbeat because of the sunshine. Milky. It's lovely, isn't it? So I'm going to stop chewing because yeah, don't like milky, it, milky sun, milky sunshine. But it is lifting a bit. You can see some very, very tall peaks surrounding us. Thick, thick snow still on them. So I mean, yeah, it's a chilly start to to summer up here. But the weather looks like it's it's pretty good. And um, you've been here before, Col Montana. I can't remember when, but I think it. I think the Jura has been here before. What I'll have to do is leaf through, well, not leaf through, just digitally leaf through the internet to find out when it was. But I passed by. Uh, a hotel I think I stayed in with the Eurosport folks a few years ago and then the, the, the Crans-Montana Lake which we're slightly below now actually um, I recognise as well so it, there's a, feel, a slight feeling of déjà vu but that's not uncommon quite often I'm correct quite often I just make things up because of the amount of places that we've been to that are remarkably well, you similar you as seem well. very certain that, that Cormont- I'm going to go with Cormontana sorry yeah oh, no, Crans fucking awful know. sorry no no I don't I, Oh, that's it. Yeah, Beep. split it up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, con, definitely no, no, con. But you were very certain it had been on the tour, and I was very certain it hadn't, um, because I, I think I would have remember. remember. I think I would have remembered being coming in, and the only place times I remember going with the tour into Switzerland were in Bern and um, Fino Emerson, that stage where Zacharin won. Oh yes. And we all got stuck in a massive traffic jam. Yep. Um, and. Verbier in uh, Bradley Wiggins' year in 2009 when he finished off the podium. Do you remember that? Yes. The, it was the tour of the tax havens. We, start, <laughs> we started in Monaco, went to Andorra, and then went to Verbier. Oh, blimey. Yeah. That, must have, was, yeah. that must have been for a specific Stage reason. 17 was on the Island Man. Uh, I guess, might have been receipt avoidance as well, mightn't it? <laughs> uh, avoiding the receipt place, which so we're... I, yeah. What I'm saying is I think you must have been here on the Giro. Yes, I think it was the Giro. But I will look back. Um, I'm determined to. Maybe it will say in our Garibaldi and a little Gary, which I'm looking at now. Um, but we can't properly do our prep right now, can we? Because there's been this change where they've basically sliced the top off. Not literally, that would take an immense amount of work, wouldn't it? Yeah. Slice the top off the, uh, the Grand Bernard. Um, so slightly shorter stage, still lots of conky bits and uphill bits. Um, but yeah, so we can't properly do our prep until we've got the new sheets from our colleague Davide. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah. I managed to get out for a quick run this morning and um, I saw them, they were building a dam. It's nearly finished. I was, I was explaining a little bit earlier in a little sequence I did, uh, Matt, that the, the dam is essentially there. So the big concrete wall, the barrier wall is there, and the big hole that they're going to fill with water is there, and the river that's going to, you know, that they've diverted is there. But I have this running debate with Pete and, Pete and David that's been going on for years now because I don't understand dams. I don't understand how you can build a dam without f- first, making a dam. first making a dam. Do you get it? Because the river, the, I could see where the river was, chicken but they'd they gone. It had gone, Matt. So somewhere they got, it. they dammed the dam. They dammed the dam, or read, or diverted the river elsewhere. By damming it. But by, by how, they, how else do you divert a river? I think it li- a series of small dams. Ask a beaver. I don't know. I mean, You're as confused as me, aren't you? Yeah, it's like it's a proper. Bonjour. No. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I don't know. I keep flick, flicking between languages. They're Italian, and they looked perplexed. They looked a bit perplexed. Quite funny. When Wasn't being rude though. Just I find it quite funny when we're not in France, but we're in a French-speaking. So the Italians are quite relaxed about that because I think they quite like the luxury of being in Switzerland. They're kind of in awe of it actually. Yeah. And to yeah. some extent, everything it's very shiny, know, isn't it? It's very shiny. But but I've been with the Giro when they've gone into France before, 
And honestly, they're not happy. They're not happy in France, the Italians. There's, I don't think there's a, there's a bit of ill will between them. In fact, you're having to whisper, suggest that that might be the case. And although they're about 200 metres away now, just in case, <laughs> pick up on what we're saying, it's best to play conservatively. I've been in, I mean, yeah, I've been in Rizul with the, with the Giro d'Italia and um, I've had breakfast with RC, the RCS crew being served, being served a French breakfast. I can imagine they're, they're total distaste for a slightly overcooked croissant and a big sloppy bowl of co- coffee. Because you know? all, the, all they want is just cakes and biscuits, the Italians. They love a cake and biscuit. and Yeah, um, very different. But uh, yeah, I think me saying bonjour to those guys, I think I might, I might need to do some diplomacy, head back, have maybe a meeting to, to kind of just pull things back a little bit because they didn't reply in any language. It just looked at me. Could be quite serious. Sir. We'll have to iron that out. We actually haven't got long before the race no, starts, so we've got plenty to be getting on with. So yeah. while we get ready, um, I'm going to leave you in the capable hands of Charlie Quarterman, who's just the audio diaries are just flying in every night, and this landed last night from Charlie. Ciao. A little bit of a change of mood this evening. Um, I guess just with the with the tiredness that keeps on getting accumulated. Uh, it's making me have amusing thoughts. Today we got through stage seven, which once again was a wet one. And uh, despite the enjoyment at the end of yesterday, uh, I guess morale was a little bit low just because I'm for some reason I'm starting to get a little bit tired, as if uh, as if as if this physical effort is starting to catch up on me a little bit. And uh, a big regret, a very big regret, is that. Uh, when Louise came out to to visit me over over the weekend, last weekend, um, she did ask me if I wanted some supplies to kind of get me through the rest of the race. At that point, I was feeling feeling very good, and didn't really didn't expect to need anything, so I just asked for a few Belvita and one uh, one kind of piece of chocolate, you know, the the normal size thing. Um, and that's kind of how it was going. I was, I was in a one chocolate bar for two weeks sort of mood, but it's amazing. It's amazing how quickly that can disappear when you're in need of a bit of a pickup. And uh, I've suddenly gone to zero reserves. I'm still got a couple of Belvita hanging around for kind of post stage uh, top up. But uh, yeah, I think I think the others are in the same space. We had to, they they actually ordered a pizza to supplement our. our pasta and rice that, that we eat approximately 10 times a day um, which was nice but yeah just getting to that point especially with the rain and uh, tomorrow we got more than 5,000 metres of climbing over 200 kilometres and uh, apparently apparently there's well they managed to clear the roads of snow but there's a lot of snow, snow melt and uh, some pretty heavy rain and also very cold temperatures on top of the mountains tomorrow so Oh, it's fine, and I I don't mind it. Just the I I don't know how to put it into words, but my reaction when I think about it is just <sighs> okay. So yeah, that's that's it for now. Um, it's ups and downs, so I suppose this is a down. Be bad news is if this is one of the ups anyway, but uh, yeah, we'll <laughs> just get through tomorrow and we'll see how things are on the other side. And uh, just to finish off, that's bad news and good news. Uh, the bad news is I'm so tired that I, I thought that today was stage seven. Um, in fact, it, it's not. It's quite a long, long way off that. 
It's actually stage 12, which is the good news because that means that instead of having still uh, 14 days left to go, it's uh, quite a bit less. So uh, let's finish on a positive note. Let's speak too soon. Well, amazing stuff from Charlie, and it really gives you a sense, doesn't it, of just, just that it is just a bit, every bit as hard for the riders psychologically and physically as you would imagine it would be. And uh, thanks, Charlie, for your continuing impressions from inside the peloton. It's absolutely invaluable for those of us who don't do what you do, because um, it, it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really compute. It's hard for us. To, well, it's important. No, it's impossible for us to put ourselves in your shoes. So thanks for your contributions. The latest here from Col Montana, with about um, just over an hour to go before the start, is that the the word we're getting from down at the start is that uh, it's all quite mutinous. Strange because at Col Montana itself, the sun is out now and it's bright and it's pretty warm, bearing in mind the altitude we're at. So it's lovely weather conditions here in Switzerland at the finish. But conversely, apparently down at the start. It's sleeting and it's freezing cold. And from what we gather, meetings are going on right now and they may shorten the stage dramatically um, today because I think, that the, I think I'm getting the impression the riders have just had enough now. Um, just a few days ago, as Charlie told us in his uh, uh, audio diaries, there was a big meeting that involved Maroveni and I suspect Maroveni making some very forcible points about get on with it, this is what you're here to do. Um, but I don't think that resentment about the conditions has gone away quite in this very attritional Giro. Look at the number of uh, riders who have already been forced one way and another to abandon. It's a record depletion, um, really quite significantly different from previous years. And so anyway, uh, it, may, it may be that they'll race the whole stage today, but it may be that we'll have some sort of rider protest. Watch this space. Well, yeah, it's as we thought, the um, stage has been changed. So the uh, RCS have, have, have listened to the riders' concerns on this particular occasion. Apparently, the, the CPA group chat had been very active all night. Um, so I think the riders arrived at the start line today, possibly sort of ready to state their case with RCS. And on this occasion, RCS have ceded ground. Um, they, uh, 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 Charlie Quarterman has just messaged me, actually, forwarding the message that he's got it's about half, 40 minutes before the race start. The signature podium will be done as usual. Riders will do the start until kilometre zero. Um, so they're going to have to ride through the neutral in the rain. Um, this is because uh, the start today of Borgo Franco di Vrea has paid for the Giro d'Italia and they want a little bit of a return on their investment. That's just the nature of bike racing. After 200 metres, all the peloton goes to team parking. The riders will change their clothes and hop on their buses. Then there's a transfer by bus with the whole caravan escorted by the police to La Chanel. Now, I think that's a typo. I think it's La Chable, but I'm waiting for a confirmation of that. Um, there's a big parking there and a sports hall where we start the race again at the correct race timing. Um, the exact point will be shared in the sports hall. There are, there's a possibility to install turbo trainers. So I think what they're going to do is take out completely the uh, San Bernard uh, Pass and if I'm right about that being La Chable where they're going to start the race, that's just over halfway through um, and it's on the, the slopes of, well, it's right at the bottom of the uh, Croix de Coeur climb, which is the second climb of the day. So they're going to go up and over that straight down Valley Road and up uh, Caen Montana. And it's going to be roughly 124, 529. It's going to be a 75 kilometer stage as far as I can make out.
Well, stage 13 was supposed to be originally 199 uh, kilometers in length, as you can see, but the weather is going to play its part in today's proceedings. Terrible weather down at the start once again in Borgo Franca di Vrea has forced a discussion between the race organisation and the riders themselves who have agreed mutually that today's stage will be lopped by more than half. It was intended to run through the Aosta Valley, uh, passing through Nus and an intermediate sprint as it headed eventually for the uh, Col du Grand Saint-Bernard, which itself uh, was going to be slightly shortened and then they were going to drop down. Now, what's going to happen instead is they will roll out of uh, Borgo Franco di Vrea through the neutralised roller. Then they're going to get in buses and then they're going to be transported to the foot of this climb, uh, starting at the foot of the Croix de Coeur climb, passing through Verbier for an intermediate sprint over the Croix de Coeur, straight down into the Valley Road and then up towards the finish at Grand Montana. That is still two category one climbs, but all packed into around about 75 kilometers of racing instead of 199. Uh, so the new start is at the foot of the second climb of the day and that could provide us with an explosive spectacle indeed. Well, it's quarter to 12 um, and actually staggeringly, we've almost been commentating for an hour. Was it an hour? Almost. Just, we, yeah, on, um, on, 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 on weather, uh, on the, in, the intensity of the race that's yet to be raced, our perceived sort of intensity of the race, I did some interviews, and then we've been talking about buses and logistics for the last hour. Washing machines. Washing machines. Um, uh, coffee, dis coffee just driving gingerly over a level crossing bump so that the riders potentially, who might have poured themselves a cappuccino, don't spill it over their uh, freshly laundered clothes. That was an observation as X-ray vision through the, the roof of, of the bus. A train that was passing where we didn't quite understand the, the small <laughs> middle carriage that was... Uh, that looked like a little um, battery pack. Yeah, you thought first it was a battery pack. And then you thought, well, it's just like maybe first class. like a, And then we thought it simply could be the buffet car. But we just don't know. Yeah. We, uh, so no bike race. <laughs> so we, sure. But they, they, they asked us. Um, it was quite interesting, actually. It was quite interesting, genuinely. We watched the neutralised rollout. Thankfully, it was only 2.8 kilometres to go. And, uh, it, you know, it is important for Borgo Franco di Vrea that they got themselves on television, albeit in slightly uh, disappointing, well, very disappointing circumstances. And the mayor looked a bit disheartened, didn't he, as he waved them off? He did. Um, it was a shame. The weather was miserable. But there was quite a few people that had turned out, despite those, those awful conditions. But, yeah, um, a bit of a shame. But, um, as we said on air, I think we both agree. Interesting chat with, with Sepp Kuss. It's, I think the, the right decision has been made. And, and I do think, well, it will play out soon, won't it, that we will see some explosive difficult racing at the end so um, but yeah I think it's the right decision could be way better let's be honest yeah I think so and it's a right result for us it's absolutely cracking they're clipping in they're rolling out of town they are straight uphill Davide Formula moving up alongside his team leader now Joao Almeida Geraint Thomas in the pink jersey alongside the other distinctive jersey wearers and they've been controlled for now by the race director's car as part two of stage 13 is about to get underway in earnest. Aino Rubio, the Colombian from Movistar, gets round them in the end and takes a brilliant victory. Does he though? 200 metres to go. Pino back on terms and Rubio is going to hold them off. Rubio from nowhere. Aino Rubio, the winner. 
in Switzerland. Pino beaten into second place. Movistar have got their win in the most unexpected fashion. Aina Rubio take a bow. That came from nowhere. We are crossing into Italy in this very moment. Boom, we're in Italy. Made in Italy. We're in Italy. We're back in Italy. We've left Switzerland in some style, going over the Simplon Pass, um, which it's bonkers, isn't it? We've just swapped. We've just swapped driving. Um, Ned drove up. I drove down, but not before we nearly went on a car train <laughs> to get here. So it's been, yeah, a slightly stressful journey. But we, it, we're coming down the other side now, and um, as, as everybody knows, this the weather in the Giro this year has been insane. But today in Switzerland, it was okay, and actually driving up the Simplon Pass was okay. But we literally hit the top. There's a kilometre plateau, and then. The heavens have opened and it's, it's like being, I don't know, the sea, it's just a, a, a seasonal shift. It's incredible. It's pouring down with rain. We're driving down this this beautiful descent and it's, it feels prehistoric. It's, I've, it's, 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 it's terrifying oh. and beguiling at the same time, isn't it? Oh, it's the most menacing. I mean, particularly in this, we're driving through a cloud. I mean, this has been drenched for days now and the yeah. waterfalls are just cascading down sheer rock face either side of this road. Uh, I mean, literally, it's not an exaggeration. It is sheer slate um, with trees clinging to it and water falling down it that just shoot up hundreds of metres into the air on either side. It's, I've seen some dramatic scenes in the Alps <laughs> after many years of crisscrossing them on bike race. I've never seen anything like the Simplon Pass. And even at the top, you feel like you're not in the Alps. You feel like you're in a, the, the Arctic Circle with like Second World War architecture. And right on the top, I'm sure we'll see this in the coverage if the helicopter gets up, there's this um, granite, obviously, I, I would imagine, interwar years, this granite eagle statue that overlooks the Simplon Pass and overlooks the sort of the border between effectively um, Switzerland and, and Italy. It's unreal the road we've just yeah. driven on and this is the race route for tomorrow and if the weather's like this we've been descending now for kilometer after kilometer after kilometer if the weather's anything like this tomorrow this is going to be brutal it's going to be hellish yeah it's uh, I, I haven't actually looked at the weather forecast i know it's not going to be great but um i just really hope for the rider's sake it dries up but yeah beautiful menacing I'm, 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 I'm a little bit struck. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm lost for words actually, Ned. And I was, as you were driving over the top, it was almost otherworldly. You say it looked a bit Scandinavian, but it, was all, it also was a bit Scottish. It was, it was Tolkien-esque. It was, it was incredible. I, I actually wanted to stop and just walk around. There was, it, and all the, the, just the landscape completely and utterly changed, isn't it? And um, I've never seen anything quite like it. And if any of you are listening, who, come. I think you have to see it because I don't. I think we're doing it a disservice. Um, we should. This, this part of the pod should be visualised, shouldn't it? Really, try and paint a picture with words. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And right at the top, there's a there's a guest house. There's a hotel uh, called the Zimplon Hof or something like that. And it's a kind of quite austere early 20th century building, three stories high with a slate roof and little windows in the Germanic style. And it's all on its own up there. And it looked pretty shut, didn't it? And um, Ambitiously, the Giro d'Italia have placed a uh, what they call a fan zone up there, a Simplon fan zone, and uh, I, I don't think there'll be many people there tomorrow, unless someone rolls in. But there's no sign that it's going to. No, um, we haven't got very long until tomorrow, have we? We've got yeah, 18 hours until yeah. they roll through, 
um, we're just again another Italian. old yeah oh look at this Italian customs we're, yeah. s- we're still going through sort of borderland here yeah. so we've just gone through a little arch where Italian customs are a few uh, Italian well a few Giro balloons um, yeah. not exactly festooning because they're quite spaced out so not no no festooning yeah but we're back in pink balloon land yeah, that was markedly missing in Switzerland wasn't it there were lots of people but not much pinkness no no, no pink balloons posters um, of the Giro being in town and, and actually, because it was such a nice nice day um, up at um, Carl-Montana, uh, it, uh, it was packed, but no direct, they didn't feel, felt quite touristy and um, it was a different kind of feel. I wouldn't say it was sterile, it was just not very Giro, but it's still good. But yeah, there, there wasn't that familial element to it, was there? Very different experience in Switzerland, very, um, very welcoming. Uh, very efficiently run. <laughs> um, well, was it? I don't know. Yeah, well, the shortened stage. Oh, we should say, just say, actually, before we come to talk about the race, you mentioned that the sat-nav took us away from uh, Carmontana, off the mountain, and um, without, you just, you get so used to it, you just put it into your Google Maps and follow the Google Maps, and normally it does you a fairly good service. This time it didn't explain that the route it was taking us to was taking us to a train station and a little kiosk and a booth where you bought a ticket to drive onto a train <laughs> to go through the range of mountains I presume in a tunnel that we've just gone over instead there's two different ways you either go over the Simplon Pass or you put your car on a train Ladezug um, and uh, it reminded me of a time I was doing the uh, host commentary the world feed commentary on the Arctic race of Norway huge transfers on that race and I was driving myself actually one of my kids was with me they were quite young at the time and they came along for the ride for the, for the four days of the race or whatever and exactly the same thing we had a long transfer we didn't look in detail as to where google maps was taking us and we couldn't figure out why there were only 50 kilometers remaining but it's still a journey time two and three quarter hours so i decided to just ignore that because it must be wrong um turned out the route just kind of dropped us down onto a fjord and we stopped at the waterfront and it's like waiting for a ferry for an hour and a half that eventually came we just resign yourself to it but on this occasion we didn't the next train was in an hour and a half an hour's time and uh, we backed out and uh, went on the motorway instead thanks to your impeccable fluent German um, we we found our way back but I think there's going to be a little bit of confusion with a lot of the Giro caravan behind us well Uh, the the lady in the booth was really nice she was putting on a she's lovely she was putting on a real effort because Schweizerdeutsch is um, Swiss German is actually incomprehensible unless you can speak it even if you can speak German so she made an effort to you know speak to me in Hochdeutsch so that I could actually understand her but she's going to be there she'll be there now she'll be there for the next couple of hours having that same conversation with car after car after car after car that's coming the wrong way but you don't want to know about that. You want to know about the bike race, don't you? Never stress for our listeners. Um, for me, it was all about the race at the front, wasn't it? It was about it was about Derek G being amazing again, and it was about Rubio being amazing in a different way and being super smart. And you can explain why. I hope it was about Cepeda being strong and tactically clever and doing the only thing he could do to some extent and it was about Thibaut Pino looking as good as he's looked in a long time and losing his head Thibaut Pino basically just Thibaut Pino'd himself didn't he that's what he did I mean he looked great he looked brilliant he looked strong but he I think he yeah I, I think he underestimated um, Cepeda 
and quite clearly Rubio because you know what the result was. Um, but it was made for a fascinating spectacle. It, it really, really did. That shortened stage, what, 76 and a half Ks. Um, Thibaut Pino set up very well by Bruno Amiral, who uh, rode his heart out to get Pino in the right spot. Um, drove that move, but it was the, there was a little bit of, um, there's a bit of friction in the valley road, wasn't there? Thibaut Pino pushing on the descent, and Rubio and, and Derek G had struggled to stay with him. And they always had enough of a buffer I think to stay away which they ultimately did um, but it was just the interaction and the more Thibaut Pino attacked the more frustrated he became and um, I've never seen him so animated but so angry he clearly wanted the win but just could not get rid of, um, of, of either of these two South American riders and they were just yeah but we'd almost forgotten about Rubio hadn't we as, as, it, as it headed to the top he was the man that was just getting back on each time looking focused and didn't launch one attack but I've never seen Thibaut Pino so angry in, in all my life and I think that ultimately lost him the race yeah wasted energy wasted emotional energy that translates into physical energy I mean he was furious he properly lost it there was finger pointing and then I think the word you used as well either in the car or you thought it or you dreamt it or you said it out loud in commentary we but we don't know um, is he hissed at Tepe. He just, it was venomous, wasn't it? Yeah, like it was. the snake in the jungle book. Yeah, that's, yeah, the snake in the jungle book. Yeah, it was, that's what it reminded me of, weirdly. I don't know why. Um, is that, yeah. Who's the snake in the jungle book? Is he Bagheera? Oh, no, he's the oh, I don't know. panther. I, I, I don't even know who voiced it. Well, maybe we'll find out. Um, or maybe any listeners. Get, yeah, I don't it, know the jungle book very well. The snake hypnotises people with it, kind of like well, his eyes twirly go eyes. twirly eyes, don't Yeah, it? and it's super hissy and super snaky. Um, although I know the snakes don't speak, but it's, it's like if a snake if a snake spoke, that's what it will speak like. And Thibaut Pino hissed like the snake on Jungle Book, um, but he also, at that point, clearly was swearing. It just we don't know what he was shouting. It was incomprehensible. We couldn't hear anyway. But what it did, he became exhausted. And if you've ever ridden flat out on a bike and laughed or shouted or sworn loudly, you t- you it put you into oxygen debt. And immediately, Cepeda just rode up the road and attacked. And then it took Thibaut Pino about 2k to get, get him back. It was, I was chat, chatting to um, a Alan, uh, Alan Jett, Alessandro Pataki, we've nicknamed him Alan, who... Um, I, think he, I think he really likes us. I think he... he no, I, I hesitate to say really likes us, no, but... I think he really likes us. Look, the chocolates he got us. Didn't need to do that, did he? No, he didn't need to do that. He dumped about a dozen very high-quality pralines on our desk um, just before we started commentating I think there was a slight we were all the commentary teams at the Jira we were slightly demob happy today let's be honest because we got we got three hours off didn't we it was lovely we went and sat and had probably one of the most expensive takeaway salads on earth it's uh, funny you didn't mention how much it cost. Uh, how much did it cost, Matt? Uh, it was expensive. Eighteen. Pa- well, I say, let's let's round it. It's just under just under twenty quid uh, sterling, uh, which is roughly about the same in euros, isn't it? It's was, it was punchy. But it was tasty. Um, yeah. And we sat. The only thing that spoiled it was we were overlooking the mountains. But there was a golf course in between us and the mountains, which particularly for Ned took the edge off. Um, but we sat there in, in the sunshine. Bad-mouthing the golfers. Bad, but criticising the people's yeah. swing technique. technique. Yeah. Um, once referred to a club as a bat. I, on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Um, if, if the ball flew a little bit low, we were quite critical. Yeah. From a distance, we didn't really want to interfere with But, yeah. Yeah, it was quite golfy up there, wasn't it, like Cole Montana? In fact, there were two enormous, very modern, very well-appointed chalets right on the finish line. One was called Muirfield and the other one was called Belfry. 
my what describe my face. You're doing a you're quite good. It makes you look quite good looking. That is, you're doing a kind of oh, can you take a photo. <laughs> no, you're doing a kind of slight Roger Moore eyebrows about that. Yeah. I just yeah, it was just like it's a bit naff to be honest with you. I mean, I've got no problem with golf, but calling a chalet after a golf course in Switzerland that isn't in Switzerland, it's in Scotland, a bit weird. Anyway, so, also golf courses occupy a lot of the worlds, don't they? You got Dubai and Florida, Scotland. Surrey, Surrey, lots of golf courses in Surrey. Um, don't don't take don't take golf courses into the mountains. You don't need to do that. No, there's no need. I think I I, I think golf, um, and I'm sure uh, that most most golf is played at sea level, because when you start hitting a ball at altitude, it goes further, and you have to. And I think that's that's why there's no major competitions um, up mountains because quite often, if you got like Tiger Woods that hit it full tilt and didn't realise about the air density, the ball's gone. Um, yeah, we're into Laurence Rex technology sort of like <laughs> terrain here, aren't we? Yeah. Especially with a, with, a, with a dimpled surface, it's gone. Um, and it could hit anybody. It could hit a goat farmer, just mind his own business. Or like that woman we saw with a grey head teeling the land on, on the descent. Yeah. On the way back. Yeah. yeah, you used the word teeling. Yeah, I just, I don't think... Is it, is it actually a word? Is it a word? Overtaking. Yeah, they're overtaking. So, so just paint a picture. We're in a long, we're in a long Italian Italian tunnel. Double white. Um, very long tunnel. Double white lines down the middle, and uh, one of the Giro cars. I, I'm not going to name them, but they are driving a. I won't give you their number, but they are driving a, a Europe car hired vehicle. I don't know what they got in back, but they've just overtaken, doing about 130 kilometres an hour, uh, which is dangerous, isn't it, Matt? It's yeah. I mean, what's our mantra? Our mantra is, well, it was augmented by one of our listeners, so thank you for that. Some time ago, this is, I'm really, this is, feels like months ago, but yeah. our, man, our mantra is very much connive to drive to arrive alive, survive, and then thrive. I think you've got it in one. That's it, that's the finished version. We need to, we need to basically. Well, in a, any, unless anyone else can add a, an I've. Yeah, it has to be, it has to, it has to rhyme, and it has to kind of make sense. Yeah, syntactically, it has to slot in. But yeah, um, Alan Jett. He, he he basically just to bring it back slightly. Yeah. Uh, Alan Jett was the same. Uh, so, did you explain who Alan Jett is? Oh, sorry, it's Alessandro Pataki. Yeah. Uh, and because Alessandro is shortened to Ale, um, and we just look quite like the word, the name Alan, we've colloquially, we don't, never said it to his face, uh, we call him Alan, Alan Jett. And it's, I don't know, we, we've found it quite funny for the last th- two or three years. Because he's quite a. He's quite a serious figure. He's quite, quite serious. serious yeah, quite and serious. But physically quite imposing as well. So yeah, that's what, another reason to whisper it behind his back and not confront him with it. But, he, but he's quite cool. Like, got to give us those chocolates. Quite often, some days, he won't say hello, but he won't go out of his way. But when you catch his eye, he'll always say hello. Um, and I, I was doing a bit of my social media for some people that I do some stuff for. And um, I'll do it. And then say, he, you, say you do some I, stuff I, for. Sco- Skoda. Sco- okay. I do, I do Skoda takeover a bit. And, um, so they sponsor podcasts? I mean, you have a word. I bet they're very much into cycling, a Skoda. We are cycling, is the, is the people that I do a bit of work for. But I was doing a bit to camera, just talking about where I was and what I was doing. And Alan, Alan Jett, Alessandro Pataki, comes behind me and just waves and sort of photobombs it and laughs and then scuttles off. So it's, it's scuttles. I can't, I can't imagine Alan Jett scuttling anywhere. I think a languid stride at best <laughs> languidly strided yeah, away yeah, is what he did yeah. he didn't scuttle at all yeah. uh, not a scuttler he's, he, no because no, no. Davide Gaburo is a bit of a scuttler he would scuttle Alessandro Pataki is a languid strider no uh, yeah. yeah I was just thinking of 
the noise that he would have to make to scuttle it had to be like you have to wear kind of like clogs or or, or those or those shoes that those Irish dancers wear like flip-flops you can scuttle in flip-flops can you yeah but you'd fall over when you're trying to scuttle in flip-flops they get all folded over and bend wouldn't they yeah but scuttling is as close as walking comes to v- almost falling over isn't it because I think it implies that you're not lift- lifting your foot very high off the ground oh I thought scuttling was going wearing tap shoes yeah I thought that was a scuttle because it's on a matapeg scuttle Alessandro Pataki in tap shoes up a mountain giving us chocolates but no he, he, he languidly strode he definitely did that uh, <laughs> like, uh, utterly soundlessly and coolly uh, with his glasses atop his head yeah. you know uh, the, uh, only the Italians wear their sunglasses when they're not on their eyes um, everybody else wears them either on their eyes protects them or in their hair Italians wear them balancing on their eyebrows why do they do that Just well, like, hang on what do you mean sorry right. balancing on their eyebrows so, so the glasses there so Oh, well, Matt is now there. Matt is now pointing at his the area above his eyebrows. I'm going to have to look out for. I can't quite visualise that. I'm going to yeah, look out I'll for that tomorrow. Later, I'll right. show you later. But anyway, he he, I was talking about the race, and I said, "Oh, Thibaut Pino, you know, what, what was he doing?" And he said, "Yeah, he said it was a t- t- too emotional. He said he, he lost the race. He just agreed with what we we're saying, and he was. We had a nice little chat. He actually jumped on my Brompton, gave it a bit of a so crossed the finish line, ran back, and said, "Nice bike." So on this Giro, your Brompton's been ridden by Ivan Basso and Alessandro Pataki. And on last year's tour, Alberto Constor went for a punt on it as well. Wow. They do love a little bit of Chapter 3 Brompton action. Oh, 65Ks, I thought I'd missed the turning. Don't worry. But no, uh, just to back up, not back up, I think it was funny because we were dry, we were, we'd just got in the car um, after Ned had done the highlights and we're just heading out of a very busy uh, uh, Col Montana. And uh, who do we see? Thibaut Pino lost yep. with, a, with a beanie hat and with one of his teammates Fabian Lienhard that's it the only Swiss rider in the race at home um, well on Swiss soil I mean but look again that was so cycling he clearly was, didn't know where his hotel was but yes. second on the stage and he's got the mountains jersey but he cut not a sorry figure on the pony but he looked angry didn't he yeah. N- didn't raise a smile did he no, no. Um, pretty yeah. yeah so he's got I think he's only got himself to blame but it's bike, it's bike racing, and, and he's still a rider. I am. I, my, my opinion of him hasn't changed. I just think he got it wrong. But Rubio, that lad got it right, didn't he? Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant ride. A calm, composed, measured ride. Uh, an understatedly cool ride as well. He clearly had to go deep, but if you looked at his face for the entire time, it was the same expression. Working his way to get back on focus, didn't respond to those stinging accelerations delivered by both Pino and Jefferson Cepeda, paced himself back on and then hit him with 300 metres to go um, with such explosive power, they had nothing left. It was it was master, masterful riding, I think. Uh, a lesson to me in not discounting riders. The thing is, he he looked pale with the effort. Yeah. He genuinely, the blood had drained from his face. He looked awful. Like I mean, he, you know, incredibly strong he was right up there at the front end of the climb and incredibly resilient and you're absolutely right riding his own race but i think the other two had discounted him at that point as well because as he got back and each time it was progressively harder he got more and more ragged looking and the notion that he could then have anything left in the locker to deliver that potent acceleration that, that won in the race was um, fanciful so yeah so it was a great win and he's a terrific he's a terrific bike rider isn't he and it'd be interesting to see how Movistar sort of because Enric Mas after that second place at the Vuelta last year mm, 
be interested to see what he does this year. And Rubio is very much the man in ascendancy in that team. I think. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's just whether he can, uh, whether he becomes a, a stage hunter, picks his stages, gets in these moves, or whether he has the facility to to win a week-long stage race or a Grand Tour at 25. I think we might have seen that, but I think he's going to become an important rider. that just wins bike races. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think he'll be an overall GC contender. Uh, but we, you never know. But uh, we shall see. But after that win and the, and the way he rode, there will certainly be those sorts of conversations about how they can take him to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. What about the GC race that never happened? It's a bit disappointing, really. It was. Um. I think Garrett Thomas talked in the interview at the end about the wind. Uh, I guess it was a tailwind uh, at the key points of that climb because it was strong, the wind. They certainly had a tailwind in the valley, didn't they? Um, Deterring potentially anyone from making a move. Um, Lawrence de Plus did almost a whole climb on the front, didn't he, after after Ben Swift and Pavel Sivikov had taken it a long way up, um, further than one might have imagined. I thought they'd just take it to the foot of the final climb. And... But I think both of us were expecting, and you even podded about it yesterday, Jumbo Visma to sweep to the front and set things up. Um, but I, clearly, with hindsight, they had no intention of doing that. And there was a there were a couple of telling little v- bits of video evidence for that. One was halfway up the climb, uh, the moto went along the GC group, and Rowan Dennis and Primoz Roglic were li- just having a laugh. Yeah, it was a weird... I don't think it was intentional, but what it ends up being an unintentional flex where they were, they were having a laugh when Ineos Grenadiers were, were, were riding pretty hard on the front on the flat albeit so they were in a slipstream I think it was on the climb or was it on the climb I can't, I can't no, it, was it, 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 it was on the lower slopes of the climb was it, um, it but they they looked very comfortable um, but I think Geraint quite simply to, because nothing happened in the GC race let's be honest so to put it to bed Geraint Thomas hit them down the head so I think Primos and Jumbo won't be in the jersey for a bit longer I guess that's and he said something along the lines I guess that's the way they're, they're going to ride and uh, that clearly seems like they've got a point in the race where they will yeah. attack and it wasn't going to be today because the gap is so narrow um, and uh, basically Primoz looks dangerous and, and he's just playing a waiting game that, that must make it quite nervous for, for Geraint in particular knowing it's going to come but not knowing when I think he anticipated it today it never happened um, tomorrow won't be a GC day but um, who knows and it's uh, but ultimately, when you step back again, what we want is that we want entertainment, okay? Um, but sometimes, if you really understand racing, it's about winning. If you're capable of winning the bike race, and the, the GC race is about the Malia Rosa in Rome, not the Malia Rosa now. And um, they're going to play a waiting game and try and take it when they can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for Geraint, you know, that's, well, we'll see what he's got. And the other little bit of evidence was uh, when they crossed the line one of the slow motion replays when the GC group crossed the line um, ju- you just see at the bottom of the frame you can see Primoz Roglic reaching out and uh, and, and looking for Sepkus and just bumping fists yeah. with him and if that had been a day of frustration when they'd looked for that moment to attack and hadn't found it I'm not sure that would have been his instant reaction That's, uh, that said to me like job done that's all we wanted to get done today and uh, yeah so he's waiting and it is scary it is scary um, for, for Ineos Grenadiers and they did nothing wrong but then they had ultimately yeah it fizzled out um, and it was slightly disappointing yeah it was all about t- it was all about Cepeda um, and, and, and Rubio and Thibaut Pino today and I'm quite glad I'm quite glad I'm sorry I'm 
quite glad to be back in Italy. Um, I enjoyed our little French sojourn though, although I don't know who those two chaps were who popped up earlier in the pod. I, I still no I idea. I've still no idea. It was, gate crashed there. I didn't see them after, they just disappeared. It was really... I mean, we've had a few odd experiences in this, uh, on this race so far, um, but that was strange. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, glad, I'm just glad we got the pod machine back, but yeah. I have to get somebody to translate it. I've got no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. But firing back those memories is, that you did of, um, of that day into King's Lynn, and it's amazing because we do so many bike races in the year, don't we, how quickly you can forget... Matt, just to, you know, that was at the time it seemed like the most important win of the world in the world, didn't it? You know, Kevin Herrenkotz, you know, wow. somehow, somehow getting the better. And how they underestimated him and gave him, you know, 342. But, you know, that, that group worked so well together. But for him to lose the jersey in those circumstances the next day in Aberdeen, heartbreaking for the young lad. And I don't think, to be honest, it's going back a few years, isn't it? I don't think he's done much else in his career. No, and the uh, thing is, off, off the back of that ride, he got a big contract. Uh, Rompot, he went to Rompot, didn't he? He went to Rompot um, on, on a two-year deal and big numbers. I've got a feeling we saw him. He popped up in the um, six-day London, didn't he? He did. And his partner with Jules Hester's. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Kevin Herringotts. And I knew and I'd recognise the name, so yeah. I remember the name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he he did because I was presenting with Rebecca, and you were you were there doing something. We were, oh, were you were you presenting? I was commentating in the stadium, and I remember Kevin Herringotts, and I remember sort of like. Because I remember they took a, they took a couple of laps on the in the final Madison one day, and I, it was all kind of and I, I, I thought I've run out of things to say about him, and then I suddenly remembered that day in Kings Lynn and sort of like fleshed it out there. But it, it was pointless because in, in Six Day London when you're doing the stadium commentary, oh, no, 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 no one no. can hear a single word that you no, say. No, 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 because right, okay, you <laughs> right, they finished that race, and I was doing one of those like Facebook Live tours of the pit area. You know, they've got the little booths. And I had a word with Kevin, and he said, "Hey, Matt, it's, uh, it's so nice uh, the day uh, when I took the jersey uh, in, uh, in Kings Lane in uh, England." He said, "And uh, Ned Bolting." He said, "I remember that I heard it on the track, and it is a big moment for me." And so we actually heard me mention it. Oh, that's great! And what in the middle of when he was attacking in the yeah. Madison, no, despite all the noise on the boards and everything? Yeah. And so I, I said to him, "I was today," and he said, "Oh, did it went through the mo- whatever. I can't remember what the, what, what the result of the race, but he's, that was the thing, and it was quite poignant." He looked to me and. Um, I don't know. It was a bit of tear in his eye because because um, that was at the end. I mean, this was year two, and um, you know there was no more contract after that. And, uh, and he ended up. I know he ended up working in, um, in in tractor manufacturing, as they often do. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.